This is the return of Andrew Brewer <laughs> to the show. It's been a long time. Where have you been, girl? I've been busy, busy with life and contractors and structural engineers. And selling. And selling selling real estate, yes. Showing real estate. And when the market's so busy, it's really hard to hunt people down that are involved in the business for things you need, and you have to accommodate them. So. Yeah, you just don't come see us no more. Just bad timing. Bad timing. Yeah. Well, most realtors do work on the weekend. Oh, well, yeah, but come on, well, man. The, the good ones are. Oh, yeah. That's right. But you don't want to come hang out with I know. Them. All my friends are like, oh, let's go to, let's go to the flea market. <laughs> I'm like, like, I got to work. You know, like, sorry. You should do that to them during the week. Yeah. Hey, let's go to the flea market. It's <laughs> yeah, Tuesday. Exactly. I got to go to work. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I got to work. Whatever. Exactly. I'm not working today. <laughs> yes. It's amazing how that does work, though. I know. The life of a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. It is. It can be a good excuse when you, to get out of something you don't want to do. Though. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I got to show house. Oh, so our man. friends are like, dude, she's she's a rock star, man. She's busy every time we call. <laughs> yeah, I hope they're not listening. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Can't give up all excuses here now. Right. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. And we have Mr. Chris Corvoe back in the house. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you today? Man, I'm good, man. I'm good. And JT behind the glass. Brother, how are you today? What's happening? Doing good? Man, it's just another Saturday, brother. Man, if you guys missed last week's show like Andra did. Sorry. And the week before. And the week before. (laughs) You go out online at moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio and catch up. And last week we went over what Chris Corvo does over at Midtown Title and why you need a title company like Chris and his crew of excellent people uh, to be on your side, researching the title, checking things out, understanding what's going on, all the legalities of why you want title insurance, what is title insurance. One in three titles have a problem. Yeah. And then... Uh, that means you got a pretty you stand a pretty strong chance yes. of buying a house with a problem. Yes. And it, believe it or not, it, I mean, it's there's all sorts of problems. And then we talked about wire fraud. And why you don't just wire money because you get an email from somebody that you think might be associated with your transaction. You need to call your title company. You need to call your mortgage lender before you wire money to anybody in a real estate transaction or any kind of transaction, period. If it's gone, it's gone. Yes. You cannot reverse the wire. I tell people it's inconvenient. I get it. But it'd be much more inconvenient to lose your money. And your house. absolutely, And unable to buy your house. Yeah. So, Have you had any of those mm, at Midtown? No, I'm knocking on wood right now. Okay, <laughs> yeah, uh, to joke. do it. Uh, well, and I've I've got tried to get in the habit of telling people, you know, now because I explain, you know, when a house goes under contract, you're going to be hearing from the title company. It's Midtown Title. You know, they're going to take care of you. The whole point of titles to make sure you're buying it with no liens. Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. And then I say, do not under any circumstance. You're going to get a lot of emails. Not. Do not ever send money or a wire without confirming with the title company yep. by phone who you're sending the money to. Yep. So she 
has enough with us. We know that you know we send our form out with blank digits for the account where you have to call our office and get the information to fill it in, yep. and we send the welcome letter out front introducing ourselves. And uh, but we, that this takes the whole team of folks to make sure that people are doing what they are supposed to do to make sure that stuff's done correctly. Yes, and it's a well-oiled machine. And I've done plenty of deals with title companies on the other side or whatever that was not as organized as Ventown. <laughs> and it's very frustrating. Yes. I appreciate that. We have a new employee uh, who started a few weeks ago with us, and we onboarded her on, and she was like, I just can't get over how this is the most organized place I've ever worked. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but I'll take it as one. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's how I feel about Benchmark, too. Like, my old company, they, I could turn in a file and just be like, here's a contract. There, there's probably something that goes with it, but I don't have it, or whatever. And they would never ask for it. My new company's like, we need this immediately, and we still haven't turned in this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're like on the paperwork, right? which is good because it keeps us compliant and everything's yes. how it's supposed to be. Yep. Got to mind the P's and Q's, dot the I's, cross the T's. If you don't, man, that's that oh, it's the easy to get in trouble. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, easy yes, to get yes, in trouble. Yes. So, yeah, if you missed last week's show, you just got to short recap of it but absolutely go back and check it out because there's a lot of good stuff in there but again do not wire money to anybody unless you call and confirm who it is you're wiring to what the account numbers are and you absolutely should be wiring to that person at that time otherwise you can kiss your money goodbye as far as this week we're going to get into some more cool stuff because we kind of touched on airbnb last week and we're gonna lead off with airbnb this week and depending on how that goes we're gonna jump into some um uh industry lingo and a few other things but we're gonna kind of see how this airbnb goes because i mean this see jimmy he's using the lingo already he's not even using the proper term for it <laughs> we talked about Short this last term week. rentals. Yes, we talked Short about this last term week. term rentals, Airbnb. Now you got to give Airbnb their props because they've got people thinking that that, yeah. that name, name is is what actually that is the industry Even term. Even though there's HomeAway, VRBO, there's a ton of... Don't make me a Xerox. <laughs> Don't make me a Xerox. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give me a Coke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want Sorry. a Sprite. Right. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, and it, speaking of short-term rentals such as Airbnb, mm-hmm. there are so many people I sell houses to that I mean, it's like every person I sell a house to now, they're like, "Oh, we've got this room. We can Airbnb it." That's exactly yeah. what they say. Yeah. I showed a house to a, a a younger girl who I will just say was not handy at all. Probably didn't know what a screwdriver was. And, a drink? Yeah, I was about to say, it's a drink. Not, not the drink, <laughs> the tool. And it had a shed in the back of the yard. And I mean, y'all, this was just a Home Depot shed. Oh, my god! Plywood. And she's like, I could Airbnb this. And I was no. like, um, no, this is a shed. <laughs> you cannot uh, Airbnb no. this. For but, a kennel, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I did get a good little chuckle out of it at her expense. <laughs> <laughs> so... We're going to get into, you know, what's all the hype about right now in Nashville about Airbnb? Where's your house located? What's all the stuff being talked about by the city, the council? What's the code that you've got to have? Or what's the permit that you got to have? What do you need to know as a first-time renter, not a first-time renter, but a first-time investor, potentially, as buying a property? Um, Will your house that you're going to purchase 
is it going to be an, an approval? Does it qualify? Does it qualify? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you might go buy a place and you're going to go Airbnb it or try to Airbnb it or short-term mm-hmm. rental it. And all of a sudden, you're going to get a notice saying, uh, not so fast, and you can't do that. Well, Andrew, one of the things that we had talked about was the fact that you know, in, in your world, the buzzword is if it does fall underneath uh, that qualification or the what they consider, we'll go over property one or property type two or or three, how much buzz that creates amongst mm-hmm. investors because oh, yeah. it, that's almost a, not as in a flood or, or anything else. It's, does it qualify for yeah. a short-term rental? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's insane. I mean, it's, it's I hear it all the time from people just from qualification standpoints of, hey, I, I can buy this house, or people are talking about, hey, I'm going to turn around and cash out, or I want to add on, and I'm going to uh, renovate my garage, and I'm going to turn around and rent out the rest of my house, and they've got all this stuff charted out, and I'm going to have my mortgage completely paid off, free and clear, because I'm going to Airbnb in my house in seven years. I mean, it's just, it's every client, it seems like you're talking to about this kind of stuff right now. But we got to go out. info. You need it. Yes, you do. You do. We got to go out to a break real quick, but on the other side, we're going to pick up all this stuff, talk about what the risk is to you as a consumer, and go from there. Been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here at News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You listen to the Money Man Mike Show, where we're talking all things of real estate. And today we're talking short-term rentals, Airbnb, VRBO, and all the other little acronyms that are out there for the short-term market uh, for rental properties. And man, it's confusing. I mean, everybody has something different to say about it. Um, Everyone is. A different opinion about it from what they've heard, read, and nobody really seems to know what's going on. And it seems to actually, when is the next vote? I mean, when when is the city really supposed to make a decision? Do we really even know that yet? Because it keeps on. It seems like they keep on kicking the can down the road. January. January. January is the next ruling. So yeah. So Metro has been trying to come up with ways to phase out short-term rentals on properties to make neighborhoods uh, not basically, they're calling them basically hotels or party zones or whatever. <laughs> make them back to the neighborhoods uh, again. To, uh, to do that. And so, Metro has had several meetings uh, trying to figure out a way to do it. One of the, the, the most widely accepted program was to start phasing, phasing short-term rentals out over a three-year period to where they're basically just none. But with the uh, Republican-controlled Houses here. There's been a lot. Metro has held off their vote until January because of fear of, uh, uh, of the state stepping in and basically overruling them what, what their decisions were right. on, on the regulation to do that. So I think they're waiting to see if the house is going to uh, provide any sort of direction or legislation that's going to allow the metro to follow suit with that. And this isn't unprecedented in what the city's doing because, like, Austin's already outlawed this. Entirely, yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that if I mean, if they do, I just think there's going to be some sort of lawsuit against Metro or something because so many. I mean, it really just handcuffs investors from being able to purchase properties, yeah, uh, and use those for short-term rentals. Now, right now, Metro has a provision to allow properties to qualify for short-term rentals, right? But there's certain specifications that properties have to meet to be able to to qualify for that, right? And what are those? Uh, well, you have to have a permit first of all, is what Metro is really saying. Mm-hmm. 
um, to do short-term rentals itself. And there's three different property types that would fall underneath that. It's an owner-occupied property. And that would be a property like you or I or Michael, you own. It's a house that we live in at that point in time. Um, if we applied for the permit, we'd have to bring proof that we're the owner, a copy of the deed, uh, like tax returns, uh, utility statements, anything to show that we are the owners of those particular properties. And actually live there. And actually live in the property itself. How do they prove you live there or don't, though? Say you say you have a lot of money and you bought a house for cash and you just say, well, I, I live here. Well, that's why you got to bring supporting documentation that provide enough proof. Your Tennessee driver, a Tennessee driver's license that shows that address on there, an ID card, voter registration, pay stubs, work IDs, bank statements, tax returns, IRS documents. Okay. So I mean, with that is your mailing address. Yeah, with that is your mailing address. Uh, Property type two is non-owner occupied rental, just standard rental properties at Mm -hmm. that point in time. And then uh, property type three is non-owner occupied multifamily. So that would fall underneath like your row home, townhome, Mm -hmm. condo, and stuff like that. But. Um, right now, Metro has put a freeze on type property twos. That means they are not accepting any permits on uh, non-owner occupied properties at all. None. Hmm. None. Cannot get a non-owner occupied permit for short-term rental in Davidson County right now. Wow. But as far as just renting it out as an investment, long-term rental, year plus, whatever. Yeah, you should. You, all yeah. that's good to go. Yeah, you can do that. And let, let's d- define that real quick. Short-term rental is basically where you're renting it out to somebody wants to come in, or like you going down to the beach. You rent a place for two or three nights or for the week, and that's short-term rental. Whereas long-term rental, you're renting it for six months to a year, two years. That's long-term rental. So that. In the minimum thirty or sixty days. I don't know what the to make was. it not short term. I'm not sure what the legal thirty definition. consecutive days. Thirty consecutive less, days. Less than thirty consecutive days is what it okay. is. Okay. And it has to be the maximum four bedrooms. Maximum of four bedrooms. Maximum of four okay. bedrooms and rented for less than thirty days okay. by the same occupant. Okay. So that's considered. That's what Metro's definition of short term rental is at that point in time. So, uh, so yeah, so they're not taking it all. So, now, if you had a long-term tenant, like you said, somebody signed a six-month lease, year lease, even three months. You're fine. Yeah, you're fine. It's these weekend warriors that are causing Metro to not do that. Um, now, let me ask you this, because I heard now that they've approved or passed it to where you have to get approval from your neighbors. Do you know anything about that? I have not heard mm-hmm. anything about that at all. You have to go to Metro yeah. and apply for the, the short-term right. uh, permit. They actually, Metro actually even has a complaint hotline you could call and, <laughs> and complain to. I don't know who they send, okay? But, I mean, think about it. If you live in a neighborhood oh, where everybody's oh, on yeah. top of each other yeah. and it's party central next door, You'd be I complaining would not too? like that. No, yeah. no. I'm okay with it, but old lady Crabtree, you're probably going to have a hard time convincing her. Yeah. Well, and then if they're like up all night booming music, keeping me away, then old lady Andra is going to be right there with you. Unless they invite old lady Andra. Well, old lady Andra likes to be in bed by midnight, but I mean, but you, till midnight, I'm down. You think about it. You go on vacation and you're in a hotel or wherever, and the people next door, they're up and coming in and out of the hotel all night, and you're trying to get some rest. Yeah, I mean, and they bang their doors. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's no different from if you're living in your house and you've got somebody across the street and they're doing the same thing. At this at the Airbnb place, and I mean it's it's the exact same complaint, but here it is in your own neighborhood, 
then it doesn't matter if it's a two hundred two hundred thousand dollar house or a two million dollar house. It's yeah. the same problem. Yeah, I don't know anything about getting your neighbors to approve that. I, I don't. I heard that in the grapevine, and it's really hard to figure out where to source a lot of the information. So, well, Metro has on their on Nashville.gov there is a site specifically for short term rental information, FAQs, how to apply for your yeah. permits. Um, they even got an interactive map that shows you if, if a property yeah. would qualify f- yeah. uh, for that. So, uh, Metro, I think, has done a pretty decent job of. Of trying to provide information that's out there. I need to put that on my website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the owner-occupied property we talked about, uh, the non-owner-occupied property we (laughs) talked about that you can't get, and then the third option, type uh, three, is multifamily property. Mm -hmm. So let's say you got a row of townhomes that's right there, and there's four of them in a row. The same person has to own all four of them, and all four have to be short-term rentals. If you sold one or long-term rented one of them, then that would no longer qualify for it really? at that point in time. So yes. you can't do them two different ways. Nope. Wow. So wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So if, if you had, say that again, if you bought a, a town. A row of four townhomes, they would all have to be short-term rentals. You couldn't have one as like a year-long renter and the rest be short-term. Really? Yes. That for seems op- odd. For operation of short-term rentals on the subject properties. So if you lived in one... Of the four. That becomes owner-occupied at that point in time, and you cannot, it would not qualify for multifamily. But it would qualify for owner-occupant, right? Well, the or one, no, because you would only live in the one. The one would. But then wow. to me, to me, that doesn't make sense. Me neither. Because if, you're, if you have a regular single-family home and you convert part of your, your regular single-family house into an Airbnb, what's the difference? That's considered an owner-occupant because it's part of the, your home. Right, but then if you have a four-unit property, but they're all separate units, but they're connected, they're separate units. But it's like a triplex or a quadruplex. No, we're talking about like if you, this is unit eight oh six, this is eight ten, this is eight twelve. They're all different addresses. They're just all together. Yeah, but if it's if it's all connected though, if they're built side by side by side and they have a joining wall. And they all have a joining wall. They have a common wall together. Yeah, you can't occupy all four of them. No, but you occupy unit one. That's right. Yeah, then. But you can't occupy the one and then Airbnb the other ones. Those are two different things that are going on. Hmm. I think we're getting I, off subject. Yeah, we're getting we're we're getting deep into the weeds as far as what we do, and everybody listen to us are like, "What are y'all talking about?" Yeah. But from a legal I'm point to of view, what you're say, trying to understand what you're what you're saying. It's but. like say you take a duplex. A duplex, you got a, a, a side A and a side B. Right now, somebody can go in with like a typical FHA loan or a conventional loan, and they can buy a house, and they can live in one side, and they can legally rent the other they side. They can rent the other side, but the other side is not going to qualify for short-term rental. Right, and that's, that's what I just think is interesting, though, because... What's the difference between that house? I mean, honestly, I don't know how Metro... I mean, if you're controlling that and you're living there, you're going to control what the people are doing, which is going to control your neighbor, control what your neighbors yeah. perceive it to be. Yeah, and you're sitting there controlling it, so, I mean, that's weird. But, hey, we don't make the government rules. We just got to live by them. Hey, we've got more to talk about this. We've been talking about it, and we're going to continue to talk about it. <laughs> but listen to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLC. We'll be right back. Welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We're talking all things real estate. Man, 
don't know if I'm more confused about short-term rentals or if I have more clarity. Which is why the reading's been held off by the Metro Council <laughs> until January, okay? I think because confused. I think everybody's slightly <laughs> confused. You know, there's a lot of uh, lobbying going on for both sides, and there's yeah. some really, really, really big shots from around the world that are weighing in mm-hmm. uh, from the owners of Airbnb and, and all the some, of these, some of these places that are, you know, they're just, in, there's a lot of lobbying going on on both sides to try to set a precedence for this. Ultimately, it's going to, I think there's going to be something that allows this. Some just, form of a compromise. Some form mm-hmm. of a compromise. I don't know what it's going to look like, you know, and unfortunately a few people are all, always ruin it for the majority oh, yeah. of the folks to yeah. do that. And it's a lot of times these people that are, like I said, they're just non-existing owners of these properties and they just, they're, they are just party houses. And Well, let me bring up this aspect. So, Airbnbs have become so popular because hotel fees have gotten so expensive. Right. Yeah. So wouldn't you think that like supply and demand that would help bring down hotel costs? Because from what I'm seeing, it has not. But I also think a lot of people that aren't as savvy to go rent a short-term rental are still going to pay those hotel costs. I don't think it's been enough to impact the hotel pricing yet um, to uh, to do that. But okay. I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah. You still got some people that just they're just not. They're stuck in their ways. They're just right. not going to go to some other place other than a hotel. Well, I have a guy that just bought one of my listings, and he is, he you know mentioned wanting to do short term rental, which he's an owner occupant. And I didn't know that, <laughs> but I didn't represent him. But anyway, besides that fact, he doesn't use the internet at all. So it's like, how do you think you're going to set this up and do anything when you don't? I can't even get you to check your email. Right. Yeah. Well, so, that's how you have to do set it up on. Right. I mean, you know, those, there's an app Airbnb has, and you rent the whole thing through the app yeah. right. at that point in time. But you know, there's a lot of different ways to do that for folks. I got several clients that have Airbnbs. You can you know purchase insurances to protect. I had one client the the, the, the you know, the weekend people just trashed it. You know, I mean, they broke the glass stove. They uh, put yeah. holes all in the walls, and I mean, it it was one heck of it sounded like one heck of a party. Uh, <laughs> oh you know, my to god! Do it, you know? I would be furious. Yeah. So that that person ended up changing their policy where they require a deposit, and the deposit's enough to pay for the um, short term insurance policy on the property in case the people damage it mm-hmm. uh, to go from there. But. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of people that have purchased properties for Airbnb. There's people who have bought properties trying to do it, and they didn't realize you couldn't do it. And they've been. We talked about that yeah, being yeah. stuck with investments. So one of the things we talked about, Andrew, was how if you're out looking for that, you need to tell your agent that that's what you're doing to make sure that the properties qualify. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of neighborhoods or homes or or, or parts of town that may have restrictive covenants in neighborhoods yes. that don't allow for, for well, financing. HOAs don't allow short-term rental. Well, a lot of them. Or even renting, say. period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not even short-term. Exactly. We're talking long-term rentals. There's mm-hmm. there's quite a few neighborhoods, and more and more are changing how they uh, how yeah. they allow for this and don't allow for this right. to do it. So if you're looking for that and that's your intention, you better make it very clear to, to people you're working with. And uh, I tell everybody to do their due diligence, and I, I provide any information I can to my clients, but I I also, when it comes to short-term rentals, I point out that I'm like, dude, this is an ever-changing, evolving scenario. <laughs> like, Literally. it things have been changing. People are fighting over it. It's a yeah. big uproar in the city. You know, there is a, a Facebook page group just for short-term rental. There's a lot of good information on there, too. But my point being, you know, you need to do your research, especially if you're buying a piece of property for that. I mean, obviously. but And, and it's not just, you know, us as individuals. I mean, you've got big business. I mean, all these big hotel chains. I mean, 
Well, their courts are lobbying against it. Exactly. Because it's taking money from them, and they're saying exactly. they're hotels, and they, and so part of what Metro is wanting to do is charge hotel tax mm-hmm. on everybody, which, you know, as of right now, you don't pay the hotel tax mm-hmm. on Airbnb and stuff. So it's kind of like Uber and taxi cabs, yeah. same situation. They're trying to tax and regulate that, and, you know, when does it fall into a service, and when does it fall into uh, action an actual industry at right. that point in time, and you know it's just it's uh it's definitely a conundrum for yeah. for a lot of people to do that but yeah that's that's what we we're talking about was just you, you better make absolutely sure you tell everybody what your intentions are with the property because if you buy it and can't use it for that purpose good luck <laughs> yeah absolutely to uh to do that so so if you had a client that was going to ask you andrew and say hey i'm going to buy this property for and i, I want to airbnb or rent it what would what would the what would you tell them to do you said you tell them to do due diligence. What does that mean? That means do your research. Find out everything you can about it. Once we find a property of interest, first of all, make sure there's not an HOA. And if there is, you know all of the covenants and restrictions and rules Absolutely. and everything. Yes. And then if you do decide to move forward with a property, you need to find out everything you can about it, even if you're writing in the contract that you need a time period to verify these things. I'd even reach out to the HOA and say, hey, here's what our intentions are. are have you guys been discussing? Are, are there yeah. any pending changes or conversations? about any kind of changes. Right. Well, in a lot of, like in East Nashville, most places don't have an HOA unless you're buying like a condo mm-hmm. or a townhome. Most homes do not, single family no. homes do not have an HOA. So I don't deal with that much HOA stuff just because of the places I typically sell real estate aren't really HOA heavy places. But that being said, you know, you still need to do your research as far as like what's going on with the city. And I mean, that would be doing your due diligence mm, for sure. Yeah. Checking out these pages, asking around, asking neighbors, asking people you know that do short-term rentals. Yeah. Well, this Find Metro site would be can. a good place to start if you're buying Absolutely. in Nashville mm-hmm. of to go and to either call and verify or go on the site and check out the map and see if the property does qualify for that. But like we said before, as soon as properties come up for sale and they are in one of these either per, uh, properties, approvable properties or <laughs> permitted areas, Gone. I mean, yeah, I mean, the interest in, in the, it's just skyrockets yeah. at that point in time because there's so few of them available yeah um to do that so but gone <laughs> people My, just start um, bidding them up and i gone. have a rental property in donaldson that i bought which would not allow short-term rentals but it is a you can rent it which i have it rented and i'm grandfathered in but i literally bought it last year and then this year they have passed it to where it can no longer be a rental property unless really? you already live there and it's grandfathered in. But like, if I sell it to someone else, they have to be an owner occupant. Wow. So just reiterating, now we're talking about short term rentals, not long term rentals right. in Nashville. Exactly. So if you're buying property and people are bu- leasing it for longer than thirty days, you don't have to worry about any of this stuff. It's all taken. I mean, you can do that all day long. It's properties that are that are being rented for less than thirty days uh, at a time that are considered short term rentals that you have to be really really careful on and uh, to make sure that. You you're, that you're doing all your homework, as Andrew was saying at that point in time. Yeah. But yeah, that's Jimmy. it. That's what we know. Jimmy, you all squared away on short-term rentals, buddy? I am squared away. Due diligence is homework. Got it. And are we going to put that Metro link up on the moneymanmike.net? Absolutely. Got it. Check it all out, out online at moneymanmike.net and on Facebook at moneymanmike radio. I think we've worn that out. Yeah, I think we got it. Got it pretty good there. So it's worth following. Definitely follow and see what Metro's going to do. I think we've not heard the end of it yet. I think that there will be some sort of compromise. I don't know what it's going to look like. There's uh, there's people that just want it gone, and there's of course there's people that want it to stay. Yeah, for sure. Depends on what aisle of the fence you're on. And then once that passes, they'll. Out of the fence. Yeah. 
So that's like the uh, sidewalk provision in Metro. Oh my God! When you're when you're buying houses, that's what it reminds me of now. You know, Metro's changing that again too. Uh, so for folks who don't know, uh, if you go to build a new house in Davidson County, you have to put a side. <laughs> you have to put a sidewalk in now. Yes. Not just any sidewalk. No, it's got to be a specific sidewalk. It's got to be a sp- be done. <laughs> and if it has an existing sidewalk, you have to tear that sidewalk up and now make it match. Yes. What the yes. Uh, new provisions? And it's pretty pricey. And, yes. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how much time we have yeah. on this one here to get into it, but um, so yeah, there's several ways you could you, you can make that work. If you're building a house, you can either pay to have a sidewalk put in the way Metro wants you to have it put in, or you can pay to opt out of the sidewalk and put money into the general fund. Mm-hmm. Problem is, is that everybody was paying the money to get out now. <laughs> so I've got a I've got a couple lots that I own that I was going to be invested in building houses on, and uh, so we've kind of held up to get some more clarification on this. But like I said, anytime you build a house, you have to put the sidewalks in. Can you build a moat instead? Uh, it's pretty much like a moat to, uh, <laughs> to do that. But uh, what Metro's done now is that because everybody was opting out, they're basically doubling the price to opt out to try to force, force people to in, put yeah. the sidewalks in what's, at that what's point. What's the in time. price? You got a range here? Uh, yes, when we come back, I'll tell you what that is. It's pricey. <laughs> Why is this water bill so high? I don't know. <laughs> My water bill's $10,000. <laughs> You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things of real estate. During the break, we're trying to find the actual cost per uh, per square linear foot for the sidewalks. What we were talking about as far as uh, the code for uh, the Davidson County of having to add sidewalks to your house and stuff like that within the service, the urban service districts, and weren't able to find it. But basically, it's probably not too far from the the, the price per square foot for what Sting has his house listed for up in uh, New York City. That's overlooking. You uh, mean Gordon? What's his Go- last name? Gordon, Gordon Sumner. Gordon, Gordon Sumner. Sumner has his home listed. In and what's it? How much is it going for? Fifty-six million. Fifty-six million. And how many square feet is it? 5,400 square feet. 5,400 square feet. So it's like a million a square foot. All right, so it's pretty much... a million per... Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. So the sidewalk ordinance itself has to have, you know, we talked about a specific type of sidewalk. It's a four foot, it has to be four, four foot grass patch and then a five foot wide sidewalk. So basically from the sidewalk to the road is a four foot green area in between there that you have to, that you have to be able to put grass in there four to feet. do that. Yes. So uh, it's, it's definitely very specific here. Um, so whoa, 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 wait. The grass patch is four feet? Yes. Plus. And then the sidewalk. It's yes. five foot. So the setback to where you can even start your house nine. is nine, nine feet. Which, yeah, yes. Which is typically like 10 foot anyways off the front of the house anyways. You okay. can't have your... I mean, how many houses... You, there's an ordinance yeah. for... And is this grass you must maintain on your own, I guess? Oh, sure. It's on your property. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what are they going to require next? A bike lane? Be careful. They'll be, I'll be out there spray painting a little man on a bike in front of my house. At least this way you could sponsor that section. Yeah, there you go. Sponsored by East Nashville Agent. No luck finding it? Uh, no, I don't no. really have it here. But yeah, it's in the urban zoning overlay that you have to do it. So a lot of the downtown corridors, you have to put it in. But it's a price per lineal foot 
to uh, to do it. And the example they're given with this particular lady here at a corner lot, which the lots that I have are corner lots. It was like seventy thousand dollars to install the sidewalks. Mm. So was that the lady in East Nashville? Yeah, I, that was on the news. I saw that. Yeah, so it's. I wonder if I'm in the overlay in my at my house because I would really like a sidewalk, and they're building stuff all over there. Point of the matter is, is again, if you're going to buy a house and you're going to do a bunch of stuff to it, you need to just do your research. Yeah, make sure you know what you're getting into. Yeah, there's there's a lot of new rules. Knowledge is power. Yes, yes, yes. Otherwise, you're going to cost yourself a lot of money. Mm. If you don't have it factored into your budget, woo, you just blow your budget through the roof where you thought you were going to make a pretty penny flipping that sucker or selling it. All of a sudden, you might be losing. And that's never a good thing. Well, we got this last segment we get to get going before Jimmy kicks us out of here. So, uh, hit some uh, uh, industry lingo real quick. Credit scores. Where do they come from? The three uh, credit report. bureaus? Yeah. yeah. What do you, you mean? You guys were all over like, uh, I'm like, well, <laughs> was I wrong? <laughs> no. Uh, everyone has their different opinion. Every time we talk to a client, they're like, Everyone, everyone seems to with the, with the internet and all these apps. Yeah, and they're like, this one says my credit score is six, but this one says it's seven fifteen. Exactly. Or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. But what most people don't realize is there's seven different algorithms out there, and so there's seven different ways to calculate your score. And the ones that financial institutions use are the FICO system. So if you're not, if you're doing the going to Credit Karma, Credit Karma has its own little. Uh, score model because they didn't want to pay for the FICO score. And it's a good scoring model, but it's not exactly FICO. It's close, but it's not FICO. So there they, there may be differences, discrepancies, if you will. Exactly. But then the bigger issue is, is everyone thinks, okay, I'm, I'll go pay my credit card or I'll go pay this bill today. Well, it doesn't update dynamically and instantaneously on credit yeah. today. It, you can see it update on your online banking. It posts to whatever your creditor is, and all right, there's your zero balance. But that doesn't mean it's on your credit report now reflected zero balance tomorrow. It'll take 30, sometimes 45 or 60 days for the update on your credit report. So if, if you've got a, a credit card debt, that that's like... Man, that that's the root of all evil for your credit score because when you have your credit card balances are going up and down, anytime you carry more than twenty percent of your credit card uh, limit, your balance is twenty percent more than your limit. So if your limit, let's say, is a thousand bucks, simple math, and you're carrying more than two hundred dollars in your balance, every ten percent more, so you go to three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, every time you carry more your credit score is automatically coming down based on the algorithms built into the scoring models to reduce your ability to get more credit because they've done studies and know that your the higher your balance is going and the longer you're carrying that balance up there towards your credit limit, the more likely you are to file bankruptcy. So your credit score is being pulled down the longer you're carrying that higher balance to protect yourself. So... You can see your credit scores go all over the place based on how you're using your revolving debt, your credit cards. So you could take and literally you could have five credit cards that all have $2,000 balances on them all, 
and roll them all into one new credit card and max it out, and your credit score is going to drop. Because now you just got a maxed out credit card. <laughs> so it's 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 funky in how it works, but yet it also depends on how the rest of your credit your credit score or the rest of your credit profile works as well. That's amazing to me at times, though, how people who don't have necessary credit or a lot of credit get penalized for that. You know, even though they what they have may be good, or you know, you hear people all that. Why is that a bad thing? I don't have credit. You know, and I know you have to show your ability to repay, but. You know, if it's like it almost forces you to go in the debt to try to qualify for a house. Or oh, something. No. I know there's alternative means to provide for that, to provide to show proof of that. But ultimately, I mean, most people say you got to go out and get a credit card or even a secured card and do that. And this creates some, you know, maybe bad habits for folks who, who don't want to go out, go out and do that. You know, if, if, if they've lived their life without credit and so far have, have not gotten in trouble by that way, it's just unfortunate that they feel like they have, that they're encouraged to go get some sort of credit yeah. or something. Yeah. Go create some debt. Yeah, go, I mean, yeah, and just go pay it back off. Okay, well, that's, that's crazy, you know. I, I don't know. I just struggle with that a lot of times. And I know you have to show proof that you can actually pay your bills. But, it, you know, if you're 25, 30 years old and you've not had any, any negative things filed against you. and, and You're doing pretty that's, good. That's the key. In right my there. opinion, if you're 25 years old and you've yet to have a ding yeah. or be late and you keep up with what you have. Yeah, I actually saw an article on the internet a few weeks ago talking about how millennials are like not getting credit cards as much as our generation. Good for them. I know. It's yeah. like, you think that's a bad thing? I don't. No. And what you just said is, is the key part because we're doing a loan for a client right now that they don't have any credit. But they don't have any negative credit, so we can do a loan for them. Absolutely no credit credit debt at all, no credit scores at all. We're using their alternative credit, which is proof of their twelve months of rental history, their utility bills that they've been paying, their cell phone bills that they've been paying, their insurance that they've been paying, and using that as their alternative trade lines, using that to establish their depth of responsible payments, not making them go out and get debt. That's how they're getting debt now, getting a house. Oh, yeah. They're getting a lot of debt through a house, but it's good debt. But yet, at the same time, they don't have any negative debt. Now, if you turn around and you have somebody with negative debt, it's a totally different situation. They're not, we're not going to be able to do that same loan for somebody that has this slew of medical bills and all these other collections and charge-offs against them and stuff like that. You know, funny story. I was doing a deal the other day where the tenant was trying to buy the house from the landlord and the but the tenant had no credit, but the only thing he had was where the, I guess he didn't pay the landlord one time. The landlord filed suit against him for non-payment of the mm-hmm. rent. So even though the guy didn't really have a ding on him, there was a there was a, a the lo- only ding was the only, from the, the guy was from the guy trying to buy the house from, and the deal fell apart. Oh my uh, god! Because of that, you know, You're like it's your fault, dude. Yeah. You Both you caused your own deal to fall apart uh, yeah. to do that, and so but it was over a twelve month period or whatever it was. So uh, you know, it just goes to show you that there's so many different scenarios out there that you have to be on the lookout for at all times. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, you just hear people talk all the time about being penalized. But you guys, to you, what, what did you say alternative credit means were? What are you providing again? What information is, would somebody provide for alternative credit means? Anything that somebody's paid on that's a third-party verifiable source um, for 12 months. Utility bill, insurance bill, rent bill, I mean, cell phone, anything. Trash bill. 
So that's discretionary from the from your point of view of what what I mean what they have or yeah. I mean I'm assuming somebody's paying rent stuff somewhere. I mean they may be living with their mom and dad. Who knows? But they can still be living with mom and dad. But if they're paying their insurance bill separately, basically we're going to ask. It goes back to what we're talking about with the short term rental is give me a utility bill, give me a give me a cell phone bill. Let's see whose name the utility bill's in, whose name is the cell phone bill in. If it's in your name and only your name then it's yours. And then you get a 12-month history showing that you've been paying that bill on time for the last 12 months. You're good. Okay. So uh, so Waterstone's perspective is not to go out and incur debt, that talk about it and find out what alternative means you may have that would qualify you so you don't have to go out and get some sort of credit or something Absolutely, to establish yeah. that to do that. Yeah. So, okay, well, that's good. That kind of changes perspective on some because a lot of people, that's the first thing they tell you, oh, go get a credit card. What if I don't no. want a credit card? A well, credit card's not going to help you anytime soon because you've got to wait six months for it to report to your credit. Actually, the brand new one's going to take six months just to report. So by the time you get it all and everything else, it's going to be eight, eight months. So, I mean, you're out of the game for dang near yeah. a year. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's not going to help you anytime soon. So, okay. Well, what are rates doing right now? Ah. Rates. I mean, are, are we still seeing historically low rates at this point in time still? or Compared to seven or eight years ago, they're all historically low. Okay. I mean, rates are still doing very well. You're, you're talking... And what's your average, your credit like FHA score? or conventional or whatever? You're still in the fours. Okay. Yeah, just depending on what your credit score is and your profile is. Jamie, Jimmy's giving us a flash over there. He's saying we got to go. Jimmy's flashing us. Yeah. Oh. Woo! Good thing Don't I'm you wish you could see it. Let me throw you some beads. <laughs> Jimmy! <laughs> Hey, until next week, Mr. Chris, Miss Andrea, this is Mike, and JT behind the glass. You guys have a great weekend. Go out to moneymanmike.net and then Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio. You guys have a good one.